Hello everyone, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best way to follow stats, storylines, players, games, tournaments, everything that's going on in the world of professional volleyball. In this episode, I'm going to preview the fourth round of the Volleyball Nations League, past the halfway point of the pool phase of the tournament. Still a lot of questions left to answer, still a lot of teams fighting for important positions in the final six or avoiding relegation. And then in the second part of the podcast, I'm going to talk about some of the transfers that have happened over the past few weeks because there are quite a few to catch up on, including some big name players like Bartosz Kurek, Steven Marr, and others. So firstly, let's go over a pool by pool preview for the fourth round of Nations League. The first round taking place in Hoffman Estates, which is kind of like a suburb right outside of Chicago, is USA, Japan, China, and Canada. We already know the roster for the Americans. Returning in his first round of Nations League is Matt Anderson, who had a very long season with Zenekazan, hence all the rest he had. But I believe he's based out of the northeastern United States anyway, so good time for him to join the team. But more importantly, Thomas Jaski, the superstar outside hitter who was injured playing for the United States last year, tore his ACL, missed the entire pro season in Italy with his club team Verona, been rehabbing in the United States all year, finally is able to make his return. Jaski, one of the best outside hitters in the world. Kind of played third fiddle to Aaron Russell and Taylor Sander, but even then, he, he's still such a great player, has had a couple really good pro seasons already. He hasn't played volleyball in a long time, so I don't expect him to be up to full speed right away. But nowadays, ACL injuries don't tend to rob you a ton of athleticism. Plenty of athletes have come back from ACL tears just as strong and fast as they were before, so I have high hopes for Thomas Jaski. We'll see how the injury recovery process goes. It's just good to see him back out on the volleyball court. I don't expect him to get a ton of reps, but it'll be good to see him get back. Really good player. Joining him and Matt Anderson for the USA is actually most of the USA team's A roster, except for Aaron Russell. For some reason, Magu Dutia is still on the roster. Not a terrible player, but I think the USA should have brought one of their more younger outside hitters, kind of fresh out of college, maybe one of the guys who played in the Pan Am Cup, like Corey Shavers, Colton Cowell. One of those guys would have been interesting to see, but hey, whatever. TJ DeFalco will be with the team too, so I expect him and Taylor Sander to play the majority of the minutes. Micah Ma also with the team as the backup setter and potentially an option at outside hitter. I hope we get to see him play outside again this weekend. And the other two additions to the team are Taylor Averill, who had a superb season in Chaumont. Hopefully he gets a bit of run as well. And then Larry Tuilita, who was Hawaii's libero for a number of years. Really great libero. Two-time All-American. Even though he looks like he's like 45, he's actually only 24, I believe. So still a very young player. However, didn't play pro last year. So we'll see how he fares this weekend. The Americans should top this pool. Traditionally, Canada has played them well, but given Canada's struggles in this year's Volleyball Nations League, I don't expect them to take a match off of the USA at home. Japan also a pretty strong team, but the USA matches up so well with them. 
is able to match their ball control and speed to a certain extent while also being the much more physical and taller team. And China's VNL has just been a disaster. I don't expect them to take any games off of the teams in this pool. Canada and Japan, I guess, technically still have a sliver of hope if they go 3-0 in this pool. I doubt either team has the capacity to do it, but given the tight race between teams in their section of the standings, kind of between 6 and 11, I mean, it could happen. You never know. I guess this is a good time to talk about two something that would increase Canada or Japan's chances of getting in. There's been some talk of Iran having trouble getting visas to enter the United States. Don't really want this podcast to get political, but obviously there are tensions between Iran and the United States right now, which could potentially raise some issues with Iran getting visas to get into the USA. Don't think it'll happen. Most of the time, sports teams do manage to get visas even in times of political strife, but it is an issue that has been raised a couple times, and Iran being the number one team in Nations League, if they were to not be able to make it to Chicago, I really hope they do. They deserve that spot. They've been working really hard. I hope Iran makes it, but if they do drop out, then yeah, one of probably Argentina, Canada, Japan, maybe even Serbia could potentially make it in. And at this point, looking at the standings, it's probably their only shot. In Pool 14, we have Italy, Argentina, Serbia, and Poland. The Italians, kind of a surprising team for me, given that their stars Juan Torreira and Zaitsev and Kalachi were missing this Nations League, but they have done very well, currently with a record of 7-2, will be playing in their brand new arena in Milan. It looks really nice if you guys check out Instagram or have you seen the pictures on Google or something. It's maybe not as nice as the North American or like the Korean or Japanese arenas, but it's still really cool, very modern, very sleek. But apparently this resulted in very high ticket prices, which has been slightly controversial for the Italians hoping to attend the match. So maybe you'll see some empty stands in Italy. I, I don't know. That was just a rumor floating around. I imagine this will actually be a pretty competitive pool. Italy is bringing a pretty strong team, still keeping Gianelli and Antonov. Kind of agree with that. You got this far with those two. Might as well ride it out. However, Gabriele Nelli, the second leading scorer in Nations League, will be missing this one. I think he suffered a slight abdominal strain in the last round of play. So in his place, Andrea Argenta will be playing. Argenta, a guy that I was pretty high on a couple years ago when he played for Modena, replacing the injured Julio Sabi, was really good for them. Then got a nice contract with Ravenna to play as their opposite. However, he kind of was injured at the beginning of the season, then struggled when he came back. And Camille Richlicki turned out to be a much better opposite than outside and kind of took Argenta's starting spot from him. So hopefully he's fully recovered and confident, play well for Italy this weekend. Other than that, it's pretty much the same. Nicola Pesaresi, Daniele Mazzoni, and Alberto Polo are the other guys joining the team. Argentina pretty much out of contention for the playoffs, so we'll see what they decide to do. If they keep Decheco with the team, hopefully Bruno Lima sees a bit more time because he was fantastic last weekend. Argentina, though, I could see coming in last in this pool, depending on what Serbia decides to do. They're playing pretty close to home at this point, so maybe this is the time we see the return of one of their top players. If they manage to beat Poland, they actually have an outside shot 
of making final six. I would say that is the game of the weekend. Either that or Italy versus Poland will be very exciting matches. Because again, if Poland beats Serbia and Italy, they will be at seven and four. Italy will also be at seven and four if they drop a couple games in this group. So Italy could very easily lose their spot in the final six. However, given the lineup that they're sending, I don't know if that'll happen. They could definitely beat Argentina and Serbia. Poland's roster is pretty strong too, although I guess pretty much always is. Komendan, Lomaj at the setter position. Kazmierek, Machi Muzai, who I don't believe we've seen at Nations League so far, for opposite. Shlifka, who played great last weekend. Bartosz Folek, Arthur Schalpik, and Bednorsz. Pretty stacked group of outsides right there. And then we have the young prodigy, Kohanovsky. Slightly less prodigal prospect, Norbert Huber and Karl Kloch in the middle. And then Jakob Papischwak who did well filling in for, for Zatorski last weekend. So that's going to be a tough Polish team to beat. Italy and Poland going to be a great match. And potentially Serbia and Poland too, depending on what Serbia decides to do. This is probably the most exciting pool overall this week. Although I guess that's more of a result of the other pools not being particularly crazy. In pool 15, we have Iran, France, Portugal, and Australia playing a second straight weekend in Iran, and we saw last week how ridiculous those Iranian fans were. Like, they had the stadium packed for every single game, including games that Iran was not playing in. Apparently, thousands and thousands of fans outside the arena kind of watching on screens. So it's always fun to watch players play in an environment like that as long as everyone is respectful and safe. Love to see such a huge passion for volleyball in Iran. Again, going to roll out that starting lineup that has been working so well. Ibadapur and Fayazi on the outsides. Musavi and Shafi in the middle. And then the absolutely deadly combo of Maruf and Gafor, who have just been absolutely killing it, tearing teams apart with super fast right side sets, are on the setter in opposite positions. And their libero, Hazretpour, has actually been one of the best receivers in the VNL. Really helps establish that dominant offense. Iran really should pick up wins against Portugal and Australia in this one. That'll put them at 10 wins and pretty much guarantee a spot in the final six as long as they can get those visas figured out. France, because they dropped a couple games last week, could theoretically drop out of the final six. I don't expect them to. They are 6-3 right now and on paper should have two wins in the bag versus Portugal and Australia. And even at home against Italy, I would still probably favor France. No Engapet and no Grabenikov for France. However, Tani Uti and Kevin LaRue, who had a great weekend last round, will be with the team. France doing a good job of rotating players in and out. So that may have affected their win-loss record a bit. Still don't expect them. Although I can see Australia giving them some trouble. Speaking of Australia, this is a do or die weekend for the Volley Roos. They have probably their best chance of avoiding relegation against Portugal, who's currently sitting at 2 and 7, Australia at 1 and 8. They are both challenger teams, which means that the worst team among them will be relegated out of the Nations League for next year. A Portugal win against Australia pretty much guarantees that they will make it through 
because they will be sitting at two wins above Australia and winning the head-to-head matchup, and that will be taking place first thing in the morning on Sunday. Also important for Portugal and Australia, stealing a game against either France or Iran would also be huge in the battle to avoid relegation. Now the final pool for the weekend, Brazil, Bulgaria, Germany, and Russia playing in Brasilia, I believe. Brazil not taking any chances in front of their home crowd, sending a ridiculous roster of Bruno, Lucarelli, Yoandri Leal, Lucas Sackcamp, Isaac Santos, Tales Haas, and Wallace. So going to be tough for anyone to compete with those guys and even their bench, guys like Alan Souza, Douglas Souza, and the returning Mauricio Borges. So I don't expect Brazil to drop any games. At 8-1, and one, they're not in danger of missing the final six anyway, so not a big deal for them. Bulgaria with a pretty tough pool. They could easily go 0-3, which would put them in contention for dropping out of VNL. And they do have a pretty tough last pool, even though they're playing at home with Iran, Serbia, and USA. So we'll see Bulgaria versus Germany. Pretty important game for Bulgaria to avoid relegation. We'll see who Russia decides to send to Brazil. Another team that's pretty safe at 7-2. and two. And it's a pretty long journey from Russia to Iran and then all the way to Brazil. So anyone that's on this roster is, is going to be going through quite a bit of travel. So it might be a good time for maybe Kluka or Volkov to take a rest. So yeah, overall not the most exciting weekend ever. Although if one of the top teams like France or Russia or Italy starts dropping games, then things could get interesting. One of those final spot, six spots could end up opening up also the battle for relegation at this point is getting pretty interesting with australia and portugal both at the bottom of the standings they're finally meeting up bulgaria not quite safe yet even canada four and five should be safe but you know they go oh and three again (laughs) somehow losing to china you know they could be in that mix as well so it'll be exciting to see how desperately teams try to avoid relegation to make final six which players they decide to rest, which players they decide to play, will be interesting to see. So now the VNL preview is over and we will go into talking about some transfers. I believe it's like a month, three weeks to a month worth of transfers to go over. I'm not going to go over every single one, just the ones that I thought were interesting or important, starting with probably the biggest news that happened a couple weeks ago, and that is Bartosz Kurek not re-signing with Warsaw after a very successful season there and he will be moving to Italy to play for Monza of all teams. Not really sure exactly how this partnership came about but apparently Kirek did not like the offer that Warsaw gave him. Monza managed to scrape up some money together from a sponsor at the last minute. Most of the other top teams in Italy already had a pretty big name opposite So Monza definitely got a bit lucky. There's some circumstances that made this possible, but well done. Kurek had a great season in Warsaw last year. He was the World Championships MVP. However, I think a lot of people see Kurek as this like absolute superstar, top opposite in the world, incredible world-destroying player. But if you remember correctly, last summer he was only really good right at the end. The overall tournament for Kurek wasn't super dominant so he's definitely a bit of a streaky player and even before that when he was playing in turkey for a couple seasons as an outside hitter mind you but still he 
he was not great. Like he had trouble scoring, looked very uninterested at times, didn't really hustle, wasn't playing great defense. So, I mean, that Kirek still exists somewhere in there. Like, hopefully, he's more motivated to play in Monza than he was in Turkey. But I don't see this as the absolute steal, super win that people seem to think it is. The good thing is that he did play really well pretty much the entire time he was playing with Warsaw last season, even though he missed a lot of time due to injuries and that whole situation with Sezesin. He definitely was the best opposite in the league when he played, hitting well over 50%, scoring a lot, looked confident when serving and blocking. If he can play like that, Monza might be a credible threat for fifth place. Yeah, I said fifth. I still think even with Bartosz Kurek, I don't think they can crack the top four, especially losing Oleg Plotnitschke to Perugia, which, ugh, I hate to see that. He was so exciting playing with Donovan Zavaronik. Perugia knew, knew that too, so they, they, they scooped him up. So Monza with Yasin Luati, Donovan Zavaronik, Bartosz Kurek. It'll, it'll be an exciting team. Hopefully they can re-sign Viktor Yosifov and find a good setter. The only thing is this will create an awkward situation with the Austrian opposite Paul Bucheger, who after his first season with Ravenna in the Superliga, looked like he was poised to become the next big superstar opposite. Signed to Monza last year, but injuries kind of derailed the season. Ended up playing mostly behind Amir Gafour when he came back. Had a couple good games sprinkled in here, here and there, but it's a, it's a tough situation for Paul Bucheger. We'll see if he sits on the bench all season, which would be a shame. He's way too good to do that. Or if Monza somehow loans him out, maybe to Sora or something. So Kurek is definitely by far the biggest one we have to talk about. Most of the other big players, we knew about them a little earlier on in the transfer window. I would say the next tier of guys, though, one is Steven Marr, who played for Milano last season. Reasonably successful. They didn't upset Modena in the playoffs like a lot of us would have hoped, but Marr, definitely a very physical guy, capable of being a high-level Superliga starter. But he will be taking his talents to Dynamo Moscow in the Russian League. I always thought Marr would be a decent fit in Russia. He's a huge guy, really strong, really tall, really physical, big serve, big block, actually has a little bit more of a switch up tip game than most people would expect by looking at him, but I think he will complement Taylor Sander nicely. Taylor Sander, Stephen Marr, that's got to be one of the better outside pairings in the world. I think of Moscow, after a bit of a disappointing season last go around, I think they're spending a bit more money, finding a bit more talent. You know, I think the Russian teams see Kemerovo beating Zenikazan and they're like, oh, okay, so it's actually possible to win our domestic league? Okay, maybe we should make a real shot at it. Canadian outsides have been a bit of a mixed bag in Russia the last couple years. Riley Barnes played for Earl Ufa a couple years ago and, to be honest, completely flopped. Had a, one of the worst seasons I've seen in the Russian league from a foreigner. But then Gord Perrin, playing for Belgorod last year, actually was very successful, helped lead them to a CEV Challenge Cup victory over Monza. So we'll see how Mar does. I think he'll be okay. Another big piece of news is not a player switching teams, but it is a coach being fired and a coach of a pretty high-profile team too. Lorenzo Bernardi will be leaving Perugia for next season. Now, there had been some rumors and news of some tensions 
going on between Gino Cersei, the chairman, and uh, Bernardi, the coach. Bernardi reportedly asking for more money. People kind of criticizing that choice because he was already getting paid a lot. And a lot of people say, you know, Perugia, maybe not one of those teams where tactics is all that important. Really, they just rely mostly on their serving and high ball offense to win games. So, and it's already a very expensive team. So I guess people were asking, well, what? maybe this money is better spent elsewhere. In my opinion, I, I would agree with that. I don't think, especially for a team like Perugia, that a coach is going to make that much of a difference when you have players at this caliber. Not really sure what strategies or trainings you can do to really increase the odds more more than they already are. And then the fallout, kind of like the fun drama popcorn stuff is, you know, Bernardi saying, I really wanted to return, but I just, I wanted to be paid more. Apparently Milano made him a higher offer and Bernardi asked them to match. And then there's also this awkward situation where Cersei wanted Bernardi gone, but also didn't want to fire him because that means he would have to pay out his contract. And Bernardi, for the same reason, didn't want to quit because he would not get the rest of his contract. But for now, I guess Bernardi won because he was fired. Not sure who Perugia is going to go with with their new coach. Apparently, Vito Hainan is one of the rumored guys. I mean, it makes sense. He's a fantastic coach. I think he would be an upgrade on Bernardi. But also, he said he's not going to coach club anymore. He's going to take time with his family and to focus all his efforts on the Polish national team. So coaching drama, not my favorite thing in the world. But for those of you who were interested in Bernardi's story and Perugia's chances next year, there you go. Simone Anzani, the Italian middle who spent most of last season on the bench for Modena, will be moving to Lube Civitanova. Like this move a lot for both the player and the team. Lube gets an upgrade on Enrico Chester and Diamantini in my opinion. Anzani playing at his best is probably the best Italian middle. However, like I mentioned, he did spend last year on the bench with Modena, didn't really produce great results when he was in. Modena had a couple of talented middles, obviously Maxwell Holt, the American, and also Daniele Mazzoni, who's younger than Anzani, and also just as maybe even more talented than Anzani, depending on the day. So that's who Modena decided to roll with last season. So I like I like this for Anzani. He had to get out of Modena. He, there's no way he could spend even more time on the bench, and he also manages to go to a very good team. It was weird because usually Italian middles are, especially good ones, are in very, very high demand given the foreigner limit. And middle is, is where teams tend to use domestic players because they want their foreigners to be outside hitters, opposites, and setters. So it was weird that a player of Anzani's caliber was sitting on the bench, but no longer he will be playing for Lubic Ivitanova, who maybe needed a bit of a boost after they found out they weren't getting Bartosz Kurek. Thibaut Rossard, the French outside hitter, who had a fantastic season with Rissovia, one of the Plus Liga's best players, in my opinion, is leaving Poland and going to Fenerbahce in Turkey. I mean, there's always good players playing in Turkey every year. And with Fenerbahce being the Turkish champions and playing in the Champions League next season, it makes sense that they're going out and getting great players. Rosard will be joining Hidalgo, the Cuban outside hitter who also played in Poland the last season, for Jusserbsi Vigil, but left midway through the season after he was benched, in my opinion, fairly questionably for Julian Liniel and Christian Fromm, ended up going to Fenerbahce and actually winning finals MVP, so pretty good move for them. So that's going to be a good outside pairing. If they 
sign a few more good players. Fenerbahce, maybe it could be a bit of a Champions League threat. It'll be interesting. Bartosz Kurek is leaving Warsaw, as I mentioned earlier. So Warsaw decided to pursue two opposites to take his place. The first being Arthur Udris from Belarus, who played for Fekel last year. I think a lot of people didn't know who he was before, really, and and kind of got a glimpse of him at the Club World Championships, where he played quite well for Fekel. Really big physical guy. I expect him to rack up a decent amount of MVPs with Warsaw. They definitely have a really solid roster, but as insurance, you know, last year they signed three top-tier opposites. This year they're only signing two, and the other one, other than Udris, is Bram Vandedries, who played in France last year. Again, a very tall, physical opposite. Seems like uh, Warsaw might have a type when it comes to opposite, but Bram, very good player for the Belgium national team over the last few years. I'm not really sure why Warsaw spending all this money on a backup opposite, but I guess they really wanted injury insurance, so we'll see how it goes in Warsaw. Another great player from Belgium, Thijs Terhorst, will be moving from the Samsung Blue Fangs in Korea. He did participate in the draft tryout. I saw him play there. Unfortunately for him, did not get picked. I think he quite enjoyed playing over there. So he will be moving to Ravenna in Italy, where he will join ex-Warsaw player Shawan Vernon Evans and Italian outside hitter Oresto Cavuto. Ravenna, their roster isn't quite there yet. I think they would need one more kind of big foreign signing, but I definitely like Terhorst in Italy. He's done well there before for Piacenza and Verona, so good to see him back. Another player making their way to Italy, Peter Krizmanovic, the Serbian middle who's been one of the main reasons, as I've mentioned on my podcast before, why this kind of Serbia B team is actually doing quite well in Nations League. He will be playing in Piacenza. So Piacenza putting together a pretty nice team. Dragon Stankovic and Peter Krizmanovic, both Serbian middles, both really good middles. That, that'll be a pain for opponents to deal with. You know, Alexander Berger, Max Kavana as a setter, Igor Yudin. This could be a nice team, potential playoff threat. Although after the Siena debacle last season, I'm kind of hesitant to declare a newly promoted team a lock for the playoffs. Also playing in Italy next season will be the Estonian outside hitter Robert Tott, who had a great season with Arkaz Izmir in Turkey, and will be playing the Nick Hogue slash Alexander Berger role in Perugia. This season probably is the fourth outside hitter, which is, you know, I don't really like to see a player of Tott's caliber as the fourth outside hitter but will likely be behind Wilfredo Leon, Oleg Plotnitschke, and Filippo Lanza. A player making their way to France is Kadu, the Brazilian outside hitter, who we saw a few times at the World Championships and Nations League last summer when Brazil's outsides were kind of a little bit more depleted, let's say, than they were this summer. Had a decent season in Italy playing for Valencia. Not fantastic, not terrible, but anyway, he'll be playing in Paris, who... Got demoted from the French Liga A, not for volleyball reasons because they were a good team, but for financial reasons apparently. Their finances and player paying abilities were not up to par, but they easily won the French B League and back up to the A League. I expect them to nab a few more big name players, but I guess Kadu is a good start. Another surprising new player going to France is Lee Run Ming, who you might recognize 
as a setter for the Chinese national team. Not a ton of Chinese players venturing outside of China, but Li Bin Liu, I believe, played in France and then Japan. We've seen Japanese players like Yuki Ishikawa and Masahiro Yanagita find success overseas. Iran players are killing it in pro leagues in Italy and Poland, so maybe Chinese players, although not quite as talented potentially as those guys, maybe they'll find some success too. The one guy I really want to see come out of China is Zhang Xuan. I think people don't take him seriously as a elite opposite hitter because he plays for China and in China. But I think if he were to play overseas, people would realize, oh, okay, this guy's good just in terms of international play, not just Chinese play. Anyway, Runming will be joining Ajaccio in France. I'm interested to see how he stacks up to some of the other fairly skilled setters playing in France. Nikola Georgiev is moving from Osaka in the Japanese V-League to Friedrichshafen. It's a huge pickup for Friedrichshafen. They lost Bartholmiej Bolads to the newly promoted Polish team. So Friedrichshafen, a team with high expectations, second place in the German league, and I'm sure they really wanted to get first. So they signed the Macedonian opposite hitter, Nikola Georgiev. I think a great player, played for Warsaw a couple years ago. It's fantastic there. Been a staple of the Macedonian EuroLeague team. So I really like this pickup. Could actually be an uh, improvement on Bolads depending on how Georgiev is aging. Although at 30 years old, shouldn't be a huge issue. A couple of Canadian players switching teams. Blair Ban is leaving after a very successful season in Chaumont, going back to Duran where he played for a couple years in Germany. Apparently the practices in Chaumont were a lot to keep up with. Wasn't a fun experience. So Ban going back to Germany. I respect the move, but I would have liked to see a player of his caliber best libero at VNL 2017, play in a more competitive situation. I know it's quite tough for Canadian and American liberos to get really good contracts, but in my opinion, Ban would be worth every penny to a team in Poland or Italy. Stephen Marshall is leaving Turkey to go to Greece, where he will be playing for Peok Thessaloniki. Marshall is an interesting one because he plays libero with the Canadian national team. He's a bit undersized at 6'4". However, he's an incredible athlete, great bounce. Canada's got a lot of good outsides, though, and he's also an incredible defender and passer. So he plays libero for Canada, but traditionally for his professional team, like Berlin, last year playing for Belladisi, he plays the outside hitter position, which he's also very, very good at. Michael Finger is also going to Greece to play for their rivals Olympiakos Piraeus, replacing Canadian Gavin Schmidt at the opposite position. Both players tried out for spots in the Korean Kovo League. Gavin Schmidt was immediately picked as the first overall pick. Pretty much right when he got there, they just said, oh, Gavin Schmidt, what's up? Can we take you number one? He's like, all right, fine. Michael Finger, unfortunately, one of the last cuts, like ties to Horst. But Finger, he's a good player, not an amazing one. Not going to shock anyone. Pretty strong physical guy, though. So I'm sure he'll be one of the better, if not the best, opposite playing in Greece. And the last guy we'll talk about in terms of transfers on this podcast, Yorgi Seganov, the Bulgarian setter, who I think is impressed and should replace Yorgi Bratoev sooner rather than later in the Bulgarian depth chart. Must have impressed 
playing for Piango because one of the top clubs, if not the top club in Turkey, Halkbeck Ankara, has decided to sign the setter. I think good move for both Seganov and Ankara. Probably the best club in contract that Georgi Seganov has gotten so far. I think he's worth it. I actually really like the player. I know he's not a huge name or a really respected player or anything, but I think Seganov has improved a lot. I thought he was great and sore even when they were the worst team in the league. I think he was probably the best player on that team. I thought he's been doing really good work for the Bulgarian national team. I think he actually covers up for a lot of the mistakes and poor hitting of their outsides and opposite hitters. Not the best player at finding the middles, but there's not a lot of middle play in Turkey anyway. So I think this is a great move for Ankara as well. Maybe not a huge improvement on Michel Barnovich, but they should be a contender next year for sure. Anyway, that's the end of this Transfers and VNL preview podcast. Looking forward to watching VNL this weekend. The times are a little bit easier to watch for me, so excited for that. Hopefully we see some movement in terms of one of those teams at least challenging to make it into the final six, which because that would make the last round five weekend a lot more exciting. However, there's also potential that we already know basically our final six when the fifth round starts. But anyway, we don't have to worry about that yet. It hasn't happened. I hope you guys really enjoy watching the games this weekend. And remember, European Golden League Final Four is also happening this weekend. Belarus, the Netherlands, Turkey, and Estonia will be playing for a chance to get into the Challenger Cup, which would result in them making next year's Nations League. The Netherlands is my personal pick to win the European Golden League. However, Turkey, I think, could give them some trouble. They are looking pretty good so far. So lots of volleyball going on. Hope you guys like it. Hope you guys have a good weekend. Thanks.